If you take your scriptures and turn with it, Proverbs chapter 8. We'll be reading the entire chapter, verses 1 through 36. Proverbs 8. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill, besides the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates, at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understanding prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with the righteous. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding and I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. I, will, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his work was old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were sealed, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet, he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters could not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. May God add his blessing. To the reading of his word. Let us pray. Grant us this morning, Heavenly Father, the ability to know you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. You have brought us into your kingdom through your only begotten Son. Help us not to forget you, Father, and all you have done for us. Open our ears to hear your word and its truth. 
Open our hearts to receive that truth and transform our minds to apply that truth in our lives. Give us courage to stand fast on your word and not to turn to the left or the right. Hold us close and build us up in your truth. Open your word and guide us in its study. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Proverbs chapter 8. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. There have been some varied understanding given to it. In all of these understandings, one thing has been constant. It is God's wisdom calling to all who have an ear to hear and a heart to believe. What you must see is this wisdom, this is Jesus Christ speaking. Christ is the perfect embodiment of God's wisdom and grace. And it is only through Jesus Christ that we can begin to understand God's wisdom and can grow in God's grace. I want to ask, if you are one of those people who have never confessed your sinfulness and called on Jesus Christ as your only hope, what is it you place your hope in? Please, take the next few minutes, consider where your hope comes from. For it is my desire that I proclaim to you the fullness of God's wisdom here, just as it is displayed for you in Christ Jesus and is declared in this message. In this chapter, you're told God's wisdom continually calls to everyone. Through this calling, you can see God's wisdom is offered to everyone. It's offered to all who will listen, both young and old, as well as the simple and the wise. When God offers his wisdom, he always offers it in connection with his righteousness. So to receive his wisdom also brings his righteousness into your life. You are also told nothing is more valuable than wisdom. It is precious, practical, productive, pure, and powerful. The promise of Jesus Christ is to all and all who will hear and believe in him and truly desire wisdom may have it. How? How are you going to get it? Through Jesus Christ, the one who reveals God's wisdom. Christ is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the triune God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Your response to him determines your life, both now and in eternity. Let's begin this morning with a look at this universal nature of God's wisdom as is presented in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In evangelicalism, especially the Reformed branch, we do not hold to a universal redemption. Christ Jesus came in the flesh to shed his blood for the resurrection, for the remission of the sins of his people. Matthew 1.21, And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. However, we do believe the invitation to salvation is universal. All men, regardless of race or nationalism, are called to hear and believe in Jesus Christ. The responsibility to believe belongs to each man. And those who refuse to hear are condemned to hell 
because of their own sinfulness. God's wisdom is given to all, to all who will listen. Proverbs 8, verses 1 and 1 through 3. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. Here, you're told without a doubt that this wonderful wisdom stands and cries out to all. Her invitation is universal and overlooks not one single soul. In this, not, is this not the cry of our Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sin brings bondage. It weighs down the, the one under its load. All men have been in the grip and are wearied under its whip. Jesus Christ came into this world to display for men the wisdom of God. He revealed the marvelous plan of redemption. He lifted up the Calvary's cross in order that all men would have opportunity to hear this wisdom that saves. Christ has sent his followers into this world. He sent them in the high places, the byways, and the gates of the cities to declare the wonderful good news. He did this that through God's wisdom, through the plan of redemption, through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins was purchased for everyone, for everyone who has an ear to hear and a heart to believe. The call of God is clear. Proverbs 8, 4. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. This call has not one fetter holding it in reserve. It is to the old and to the young. Age doesn't matter, for this plan is founded upon God's grace. It's not according to how sinful you might think you are or how good you may perceive yourself to be. Neither of these has any effect on the call of salvation. All men are sinners. Yes, even the little infant born only moments ago, he's tainted with Adam's sin in the garden. His heart is already filled with rebellion against his creator. Yes, he needs the grace of God just as much as the man who has lived 70 years in open sin. God's wisdom says it does not matter how long you have lived in your sin, nor how deep that sin has brought you. What matters is that there is only one way, one way by which you can be redeemed from that life of sin. That is through Jesus Christ. Through God's wisdom as it is perfectly embodied in Christ. This wisdom is given to those who are unknowing and to those who are wise. Proverbs 8, 5. Oh, you simple ones, understanding prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Wisdom calls both the simple and learn to come unto her. Where else is it possible that you can hear such gracious truths than from God himself? These truths are worthy of the attention of genius and fool. For those are the truths that teach us Jesus Christ and the divine plan of redemption. All who have an ear to hear are called to turn from their sinful, selfish ways and turn into wisdom 
For in wisdom is found Jesus Christ and eternal life. There is one dividing line between men in this world, one only. It's not race, creed, nationalism, intelligence, society, wealth, or sex. The dividing line is between those who are saved and those who are unsaved. This is clearly shown to us in God's wisdom. We come next to see that the call of wisdom comes only in combination with righteousness. Proverbs 8, verses 6 through 9. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Here he begins the call. What is that call? To listen, to hear. This call goes out to all, to all who, who lean to their own understanding, for all who trust in themselves. This call is for them. It goes out to those who care more to be learned than to be holy. It goes to those who would have value the tree of knowledge more than the tree of holiness, the tree of life. It goes out to those who desire meat for their meat, lust instead of matter for their souls. Why does it go out for these? For those are the ones who need this wisdom the most. The, this call to wisdom is from holy lips and a pure tongue. This is perfect wisdom offered to those who are imperfect. And it comes from the perfect source, God. I've told you before, in God's economy, wisdom and righteousness cannot be separated. When God plows the hearts of sinful men with wisdom, righteousness springs from that turned soil of the heart. By wisdom's work in a heart, the Spirit sees its sinfulness, it apprehends its need for cleansing, seeing Jesus Christ as the only source of forgiveness and purity. A man lost in total darkness has absolutely no hope. He may build some hope in his imagination, but you can be assured it will never last. When his end time ends on this earth, he will about be without any hope at all. There is no hope in unbelief. Please get that in your heart. It is a dry well, and it leaves only hell open for the hopeless. The wisdom of God should come across to the hopeless as the most wonderful, the most valuable gift he could ever be given. There is nothing with which you can compare the wisdom of God. Proverbs 8, 10 and 11. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Can gold and silver purchase a clean conscience? Are there rubies and diamonds that can give eternal peace of mind? No. There is nothing. Nothing that can give eternal hope but the wisdom of God as it is perfectly embodied in Jesus Christ. What should be the most important to us? Wealth and ease in this life? Or security and peace in eternity? I trust you believe there is a life after death. 
I hope you understand the choices you have been given in this life. Eternal life in the heart of a loving God or eternal death in the fiery pits of hell. There is no other choice. Those are the only two. The wisdom of God is the only thing that leads you to an eternal life of rest and peace. There is in it, therefore, it is indeed the most precious thing to ever enter this world. Wisdom is practical and productive. Proverbs 8.12 I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find knowledge and discretion. Now the word promises what man needs. Wisdom promises what man needs. He needs a Savior. Can't do without it. Got to have that Savior. Men are lost. And what a loss it is. He needs a guide. Men are sick. And what, what is it that a sick man needs? It's a doctor. Men are helpless. And what helpless man needs is hope. Men are evil. And what an evil man needs is righteousness. Men are ignorant of spiritual things. And what an ignorant man needs is a teacher. The wisdom of God is practical. It's practical in that it promises what man needs and it is productive in that through Jesus Christ it gives what he needs. There is no need that man has that has not been fully met in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen to the holiness of divine wisdom. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. God's wisdom dwells with prudence. Prudence, in this case, means just simply common sense. This tells us to have the fear of the Lord which you will remember is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom has at its very nature a hatred of evil. It also has at its core the salvation of all who will hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into this world to live the perfect life. He came to die the atoning death, to win the resurrection victory over sin, death, the grave, and evil. He has done that. He's completed the work. God's wisdom laid out the plan. It was a plan to save a people out of the mass of sinful humanity through Jesus Christ. This should make it very clear to you that God's wisdom is as pure as it is precious, practical, and productive. What we've shown next is that God's wisdom is powerful. Proverbs 8, 14 through 16. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles all the judges of the earth. The wisdom of which we speak here is not man's wisdom. The fruit of de deliberation. But it comes from a divine intuition. It's not so much that it flows from God, but that it is his very essence. It is the fountainhead of all wisdom. In Romans eleven thirty four, 34, Paul quotes Isaiah 40, 13, and he says it this way. 
for the for who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor. Please get this, for it's very, very important. It's not that God has understanding. He is understanding. All is in him. All derives from him. In Psalm 147, 5, the psalmist lays it out. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. So what position does that place you in before him? We are to adore him. We are to rest in him. We are to see him as the great and wise counselor. We are to comprehend the power of this wisdom embodied in our Lord. He is one with the Father in the everlasting plan of redemption. He is one with his church. He undertakes her cause. He guides her through her trials and tribulations. We see that his self-existent power is ever ready to carry out the purpose of the Father's counsel. You must see, as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 1.24, Christ, the power of God and the witness of God. Scripture makes clear. All your doubts, all of your worries, counsel and sound wisdom belongs to Jesus Christ. You got a problem? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In your, all of your conflicts and weariness, you must recognize it's through Christ we hear the words, I have strength. It is Christ Jesus, the incarnate wisdom of God, that proclaims his power over all things. He says of himself, I am the source of all power and authority. He is called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No king on earth reigns without his blessing, be he an evil monarch or a great lover of justice. It is our sovereign almighty God who appoints all leaders. Each of those rulers appointed fulfill the plans of the Creator. They all work to bring God's plan of redemption closer and closer to His final fulfillment, whether they recognize it or not. In this, we must recognize the wisdom of a holy God being played out before our very eyes. The culmination of the whole history of mankind is centered in God's wisdom and Jesus Christ. It is, all, it is in him that the power of this world and all other worlds resides because he is the one who knows all. We learn here that those who truly want wisdom, they may have it. Proverbs 8, verses 17 through 21. I love those who love me and who, those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. I want to ask you to note the grace of your loving God to his children. Is this not something strange to your nature? None of you, by nature, are interested in the things of God. None of you are standing on God's word constantly. 
Romans 8, 7 makes this clear. The carnal mind is enmity against God. But by his grace, by his wonderful, marvelous grace, he implants love in your heart. He also encourages you with the assurance of his love. 1 John 4, 19 explains, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. The first kindling of that flame is done by his grace in your hardened heart. You love him for, for you love your love for him. I'll get it right in a minute. Your love for him is established, not because of anything you have done, but through his drawing of you. He has drawn you to himself. John 6, 44. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore, with loving kindness I have drawn you. You seek God, not from internal impulses, not because of feelings, but by the grace from above. And through that seeking, you shall find. What is it those who truly seek will find? Riches and honor and enduring wealth and prosperity. Those who seek him find durable riches of eternity. They find the honor of reigning as kings in life. They find a righteousness in which they are accepted by God and conformed to his image. Can any of this be purchased by money? No, it cannot. As you look at this, can you not see this is far better than the wealth of this world which rusts away and leaves only dust? He says this is a fruit far better than gold or silver. Here is the real worth of knowing God's wisdom. It is to follow in the footsteps of of one who knew the right path. He says in verse 20, I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice. Jesus Christ came into this world. What did he come for? He came to live the perfect life. He entered this world at a time when the Jewish nation was overrun with hypocrisy. And on the other side, the pagan world was deeply idolatrous. Christ walked the paths of righteousness. He wasn't drawn into the hypocrisy, nor was he influenced by the idolatry. What was his concern? What was he thinking about? It was to have right standing with God and to deal justly with all. What did that require? Obedience to God's word and his word alone. We are saved by grace and carried through this life by grace and by grace alone. Christ tells us to add anything to our salvation apart from grace is to diminish our hope of salvation. Did you hear that? You start adding anything to your hope besides Christ and Christ alone, you're diminishing your salvation. You're putting it in danger. The promise we are given in Christ is centered in Jesus Christ and in him alone. You need nothing else. There's nothing you need to add to it. Look at this promise given to all who truly seek this glorious wisdom that comes down from heaven. 
He says, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The promise. The promise is that all who will hear this glorious wisdom of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and will with all their hearts believe it and trust in him and in him alone. Through this promise, Jesus Christ will fill your lives in your heavenly treasure chest with all of his riches. Now this all sounds so good. But who is this that promises to give you so much? Solomon leaves no doubt as to who he's talking about. It is Jesus Christ who reveals God's wisdom to men. As you study this, you must see the glorious rays of eternal deity. You must observe a distinct personality and essential unity of the one that John 1, 1 and 2 speaks of. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. To pry into the circumstances of his being would be to intrude on those things which are called the secret things of God. We have but one privilege One privilege, and that is to receive God's eternal revelation of his being. Proverbs 8, verses 22 through 26. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his work was old. I have been established from everlasting from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. He reveals to us through his word that the Lord possessed him at the beginning. He possessed Jesus Christ. From this we find the essential unity of the Father. We are also told from this that the very mode of Jesus' existence is to eternally proceed from the Father. It's not he came once. He is always coming forth from the Father. Jesus Christ is the full revelation of all that God the Father is, and he shows us the Father. Also, Christ was clearly with the Father before anything that was made was made. He tells us, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his work was old, I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth. He was a part a part of the triune God, the second person of the Trinity. He was the I am from everlasting to everlasting. This brings us the name of God, Elohim. This name refers mainly to the triune God of creation. This would be the Father in heaven, therefore the Father of Jesus our Lord. Proverbs 8, 27 through 29. While he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Not only, not only was Jesus with God before the foundations of this earth, before they were laid out, but he was also that very God. He is Elohim. He, this wisdom that speaks, was with God from eternity and was present when the heavens were set in place. 
we see the perfect unity of the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There can be no disagreement. There can be no disagreement between the three. For as the sixth question of the Shorter Catechism says, these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. It is the wisdom of God that ever proceeds from the Godhead, and Jesus Christ is that wisdom embodied in flesh for all men to see and learn of the Father. He came to show us the perfect life, to die and reveal God's justice and mercy, to rise from the grave to declare God's perfect redemption. He is the power. He is the wisdom of God. He is at work creating and preparing a world through which he might display his perfect character and redeem a people to himself that his love might be revealed. What do we learn of Christ in this passage? Proverbs 8, 30-31. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. We learned that he was the craftsman at God the Father's side. And in that, he was rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighted with the sons of men. It was the wisdom of God that was given flesh. Hear this well. Hear this well. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God in the flesh. He is the one sent into this world to provide a way of redemption to those who had chosen from before the foundation of the world. God chose you. He chose you before this world was ever made. Jesus Christ is the wisdom and is the one who eternally proceeds from the Father. He has delighted in fulfilling the will of the Father through his life, death, and resurrection. This is truly the Emmanuel of God, the God that is with us promise of the new covenant is that we shall be God's children and he shall be our God. Here's the proof that indeed God is doing exactly that. He sent Jesus Christ into this world to suffer the horrors of Calvary in order that we might know divine love. Jesus Christ came and lived among us and we have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You need to listen carefully because your response will determine your life today and your life in eternity. Proverbs 8, 32 through 36. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. This is the universal call of wisdom. To all who have an ear to hear and a heart with which to believe, they and they alone will find the path of life. This decision belongs to every man. Will you listen to these words? Will you come into your heart and see, or will you close your ears and refuse to acknowledge your sinfulness? To all who will hear and believe, the promise is sweet and it's sure. That man will be blessed in this life and in the next. To all those who refuse to hear and obey, they declare their love of death over life 
and death will be their reward. For none who refuse to believe will find rest, for rest comes only in knowing the wisdom of God. In conclusion, I would ask you to listen closely to these words. All men are sinners. All men fall far short of God's glory. There are none, absolutely none, that are righteous, not even one. However, there is a great call, a call that has gone out into this dark world, and it calls all who would hear and believe. Those who come with a broken and contrite heart will be filled with joy. They come to Christ to be empowered unto eternal life by the wisdom of God. I hate you, I asked you at the beginning to consider where your hope is found. I trust you find it and that you find it in Jesus Christ and in Jesus alone. Please join with those who trust in him this day and bring your life to him and begin rejoicing. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you're our refuge and strength. You're an ever-present help in our troubles. We come to you this morning in worship and with praise. We come without fear of the circumstances of this life because we know you're with us and that you are the almighty God, the sovereign Lord and creator of this world. We gathered here this morning to hear your word proclaimed, to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior. We lift our voices in thanks before you because we know how helpless and hopeless we are without you. Remember our frailty and strengthen us in your grace and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.